What a piece of junk. She'll make .5 past light speed. She may not look like much, but she's got it where it counts, kid. I've made a lot of special modifications myself. But we're a little rushed, so if you'll just get on board, we'll get out of here. You hear nothing? You're braver than I thought. Nice. Come on. Easy. You call that easy. They're tracking us. Not this ship, sister. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 521, Top 5 OT Ships. I'm, as always, your host, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Han Solo. To my Wedge Antilles, we've got Carl LeClaire. I'm reckless, and you're on point. It's good to be back, Jason. (laughs) It is good to be back. I I like had so much fun last week, Jason, talking about our favorite prequel ships, and I I just like I'm so glad we we had a while we had a while ago planned to do just top five ships in Star Wars, and then the right. Ahsoka trailer dropped. We got super lost in that, and then you and I hung out just a couple weeks ago, and you're like, "What if we broke our ships down into eras? Because there's just so many good ships in Star Wars." Right. We we were sort of talking about all the ships, and we're like, "There's a lot." I'm not going to be able to fit all my favorites on this list. And they were like, well, we could break it up. And then we were like, well, is it too many uh, episodes about ships back to back to back? And then we realized we didn't care and we were going to do it anyways. So <laughs> yeah, it's the joy of having a podcast. Like you can kind of call those shots. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, <laughs> but we had a blast, like you said, last week with all the prequel ships and the fun doesn't stop there. Um, that was where the fun began. We're continuing the fun here. <laughs> this is where the fun continues. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, Jason, last week I kicked off our, our, uh, our segment, so I'm going to invite you to take the reins this week. All right. Sounds like a plan to me. Now, um, my number five is one that I feel like many people – might see as sacrilegious for having it this low on the list. Um, and that is the Millennium Falcon. Uh, the Millennium Falcon is my number five. Uh, I'm a big fan of the ship. Obviously, it, it, you know, it's the, it's the most famous ship in all of Star Wars. It's, it's the, the ship that made the Kessel featured. run in less than 12 parsecs, Jason. That is extremely true. Um, <laughs> well, if you round down. Um, <laughs> Not if you round down, buddy. <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, it's the most featured ship in all of Star Wars. We've seen, you know, just about every square inch of the thing on screen in one way, shape, or form. Uh, so it's the most familiar. It's the most cozy. It's the uh, it's the ship that, you know, I won't say makes you feel the safest because it always seems to be breaking down at the worst possible moment. Um, <laughs> but it is dependable in that it usually gets you out of that trouble at the last second. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But, uh, you know, it, it's always just fun to, uh, you know, ha- have a ship like this, you know, uh, essentially kind of like the pickup truck of the galaxy, uh, flying around and uh, doing your thing, except you've modified it, you tricked it out and, uh, you know, put some quad cannons and some extra power to the hyperdrive and all that fun stuff. Um, <laughs> and uh, it gets you from point A to point B, uh making 0.5 past light speed. So, um, you know, there's some really great stuff about the ship. Uh, I, am a big fan of it. I, I love it. The, you know, obviously the, uh, asteroid chase is one of the most exciting Mm -hmm. scenes that we ever get with the millennium Falcon, particularly in the OT. Um, so, uh, you cannot go wrong with that. Uh, I'll save, you know, some of the, the gushing for it because I'm pretty sure, it's going to be a lot higher on Carl's list. Um, so I, I want to make sure we leave plenty of room for all of that. <laughs> but yes, uh, number five on my list is Han and Chewie's baby, the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> I, you know, I want to say this, Jason, like this is why I love doing a podcast with you. I, I like I love that it's only your number five. You know, it's it, it doesn't need to be your favorite. And this is why I'm so excited to learn what your favorite might be. Um you know, I obviously will reserve more extensive comments on the Millennium Falcon until later, but I, I got nothing but respect for you for, for having it at your number five. You know, there's no shame in it. You know, that's the thing about Star Wars is we love what we love and there's no reason to feel ashamed of where anything lands. Uh, so, I'm, exactly. I mean, I'm super glad it's on your list uh, and uh, no, nothing but love for me for wherever it lands there. So. Yeah. But that said, uh, my number five might be, you know, some folks might say like, wow, I can't believe this is so low on your list. But it's the X-Wing. Uh, you know, this is the workhorse of the rebellion. It is the the, the most trusted starfighter in all of Star Wars in a lot of ways. Um, clearly, it's still around come the sequel era. You know, this is a this is a tanky ship. And, and I think that's what I've always loved about the X-Wing is the fact that it is sort of tanky. You know, I mean, it's fast and maneuverable like a starfighter. But because it's got shields, it's got, you know, it's got some weight to it. It's it's something that can throw its weight around in a in a dogfight. Um and, and I've always appreciated the X Wing for that for that reason. Um you know, it's uh it's like it's just quintessential Star Wars. It's the easiest thing to draw. Um I am not an artist by <laughs> any stretch of the imagination, Jason. Um, but I used to draw X-Wings all the time when I was like doodling in school. And uh, I, I had a friend of mine years ago who saw some of these old doodlings of mine. And they're like, oh, it just looks like a little triangle monster. Because I would just basically draw a triangle with two little arms stretched out. <laughs> that was my X-Wing. Because <laughs> uh, I am not an artist. But, uh, you know, the, the X-Wing is just it's – the, it's, it's just the quintessential Star Warship. And I think in a lot of ways it encapsulates what the Rebellion is. It's – it's not the prettiest or sleekest ship, but it's it's built to last. It's built to get you um, into a fight and and to win that fight. Um, and when I think about the the X wing, weirdly enough, and I know I've told this story on the show in the past, Jason, but uh, in in the Heir to the Empire novel, Luke uh, takes this long journey in the X wing. And he kind of like cozies up in the cockpit. And I remember when I first read that scene, even like 20 years ago, I just immediately liked that. I was like, yeah, I feel like I could 
I could definitely like cozy on up in the the cockpit of an X-wing and just take a long trip across the you know across the galaxy. Um, now, granted, at the end of that journey, Luke's gets, Luke gets stranded, <laughs> um, but uh, at, the, at the same time, I've always loved that little that little side point in in Air of the Empire. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just such an iconic ship within Star Wars, mm-hmm. um, and. And and to me, the most iconic scene of the X-wing is in A New Hope when they're approaching the Death Star, and you know, Red Leader says, you know, lock S foils into attack position, and we get this really awesome shot of the X-wings kind of you know breaking from these T's into these X's, and it's these you know it almost looks like gnats attacking a monster, right? Like there are these tiny little ships approaching this moon. And yet we know that they stand a chance. So to me, the X-Wing is kind of, you know, it's an emblem of the rebellion. It's an emblem of hope that no matter your size, you know, size matters not. You know, it's 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 the heart and the charism behind that engine. Yeah, exactly. No, I I love it. Um, I've definitely got some thoughts in the X-Wing, but I'll be saving them for a little bit later. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) <laughs> I see what you did there. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> unintentional puns. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, however, that being said, we're going to go uh, number four for me is uh, a little bit of a bigger ship. Um, and that is the Nebulon B escort frigate, the medical frigate, if you will. Uh, seen, headed for the medical at frigate. The end of, exactly. <laughs> uh, at the end of Empire Strikes Back and in the middle of the battle uh, of for Endor in Return of the Jedi, uh, which, of course, is, is my favorite uh, place to have it there, uh, particularly the one shot where you've just got the uh, the rebel ships and the Star Destroyers broadsiding each other uh, with the starfighters darting between them, and you've got the, the medical frigate there going up against a Star Destroyer that's clearly bigger and probably more powerful than it, but it's, you know, what else are they going to do at this point? Um I, I've always been a fan of the ship. I like the look of it. Uh, and then, of course, you know, in some of the expanded material and like the uh, the cross sections kind of stuff, uh, it's a ship that's been easily modified to do various different jobs uh, from cargo hauling to, you know, uh, obviously medical being a medical, it, uh, which is what they've used it primarily in the movies uh, and all sorts of things. And it, it's, uh, you know, a good size mid, a good mid size frigate uh, to kind of help bolster the rebel fleet. Um, but it's always just been a cool looking ship to me. Uh, one that's you know uh, a neat design to look at, and I don't really have any other like major reasons to love it other than I think it's cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, so yeah, there we have it: the Nebulon B medical frigate. I'm so glad you put this on your list, Jason. It's it's not on my list, um, but it was it was like a, a, just a hair pinch away. Um, I love the shape of it. You know, it 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 feels mm-hmm. very um, sci-fi space worthy. You know, I mean, so many of the ships in Star mm-hmm. Wars, they're like built to be aerodynamic, which is silly if you think about it, because there's no air resistance in space. It's a vacuum. Right. Um, but something like the Nebulon B, it, it, it feels like a ship that actually could fly in space. It could fly in space insofar as like, it doesn't matter if it's aerodynamic. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I've, I've always loved the shape of it and all the things you said. 
uh, one of my favorite shots in all of Star Wars is that that shot in Return of the Jedi where it's going, you know, shooting broadsides against a, a Star Destroyer in the, the Battle of Endor there. Um, yeah, it's it's just such a great ship. And uh, yeah, I, I don't have much more to add to it, but I, I'm really glad it's on your list and that it's, it's getting talked about in, in the episode. Yeah, it, it's funny because, you know, it's... <laughs> It is kind of a funny looking ship though, because it's got this this big front end, a little tiny like cylinder that goes across to a giant engine uh section. Um for whatever reason the rebels have found a lot of ships that have just like a bunch of engines in the back. Um you know, Nebulon uh be forget being one of them. So uh but yeah, no, it, it's just a it's just a great Great ship, and that the the incredible cross sections. Uh, I remember reading a while ago, um, they were able to you know connect various different interchangeable uh, accessories, if you will, to that me- that middle section that allowed it to be a very uh, versatile uh, ship uh, in terms of like cargo and other modules that they're able to attach into it, um, hangar bays and stuff like that so that makes sense because if you look at like the bottom section of it there's just all these little you know as you put like all these little extra modules and stuff connected to it that don't necessarily look like they're they're native parts of the ship but rather um you know fun fun little additions if you will um right right yeah and i and i've always like go ahead go ahead (laughs) i've I've also always loved it's like the the lego (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh, Jason. All right. I will go Um, real quick. Yeah, like I just love at the end of Empire Strikes Back with the fact that the Falcon is parked just beneath it. But it has that, you know, that tube down to it as well. You know, it's it's a it seems to be a ship that is there to be a safe haven and dock for for other ships in need. Right. Exactly. Sounds good to me. (laughs) before we stumble over each other anymore carl uh what's your number four well my number four (laughs) i'll keep us in the uh the fleet of the the rebellion here and uh it is the the home one the moncal cruiser the mc80 uh moncal cruiser that is the flagship of admiral akbar himself um i absolutely love the look of the home one, first and foremost, it's got such an organic design to it. And, um, you know, it, it literally looks like a submarine type style, right? Everything is curved and, uh, it, it just, it looks like something we as human beings would, would make a submarine to look like. And it makes a lot of sense because the majority of the ships built by Mon Calmarians were made to fly in the ocean. Right. Um, you know, and, Actually, today I was just bopping around with a couple of the ships on my list on, on Wikipedia, and I had never seen this before, but there was a really cool cross-section image of the Home One, and the bottom of it, it actually shows what looks to be like a rudder, like on an actual like seafaring ship, uh, and it's not actually – and it indicated that like this is what was used when it was piloted through the oceans of Moncala, but they cover it up for space travel. And I'm like, that's so cool. That's wicked fascinating. Um, so I just, I love that the, the home one as a Mon Calmari star cruiser also looks like it's, it's very much a product of the culture in which it comes from, right? This, this, yeah. this, this 
this culture that lives in the ocean. Um, but I also just, I mean, I love the name of it, Home One. It's very much symbolic of what it represents, the rebel fleet. It's a home. It's a, it's a safe place. Um, and to me, what, what really uh, personifies that is that, that scene in Return of the Jedi when, you know, the, the whole of the rebellion is meeting together, uh, you know, to, 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 to plot taking down to the Death Star, to plot taking down the Emperor himself. You know, it's this place where the, the rebellion can come together to be, to be safe and secure and, and make plans like this. Um, so yeah, it's just, and it was also really cool to see, you know, because up, up until Return of the Jedi, you know, A New Hope and, uh, Empire Strikes Back, we never really see any massive starships, right? The biggest thing we'd really seen was the blockade runner, which we saw being dwarfed by a star destroyer in A New Hope. Uh So it was really cool when we get to the Battle of Endor to see these, these star cruisers, these Mon Cal star cruisers that, are essentially the same size as a star destroyer, right? Like that, that they're that the re, the rebel fleet does have something in its arsenal that's um, capable of taking on something as as grand as a star destroyer, um, right? And something else that stands out to me, I I'm pretty sure that this was in um, mentioned in the aftermath trilogy and possibly even in the dialogue for the Battlefront Two story campaign. But when you walk around the the um, when you're walking around inside of Home One, they often talk about the humans talk about how humid is humid it is in there because it's the climate is meant to mimic something that would be uh, uh, you know acceptable to a Mon Calmarian because that's who these ships were ultimately yep. built for. So I've always gotten a chuckle out of that. I, I'm pretty sure it's in the either the aftermath trilogy or the Battlefront Two story campaign where it's mentioned how humid it is on board the home one. That's hilarious. Uh, and makes total sense because it's their ships. Um, and I do love that uh, when we kind of uh, going on a slight tangent here, when we get the, uh, the water war episodes and clone wars, where we actually go to, to Mon Calamari um, and, or Mon Cala, excuse me. And we, uh, go to the Mon Calamari city and we see their buildings and their towers and they have very similar shapes and styles to the home one and uh, the Mon Calamari starships uh, that the same kind of rounded uh, curves and, and organic looking shapes. Um, so it's the implication is, is that this cruiser is definitely, uh, you know, inspired by the the architecture that it was around um i too really enjoy this ship didn't quite make my top five um i wanted it to be in my top five (laughs) but there were just a few more things that uh just edged it out um but i've always been a big fan of the mon calamari star cruisers in general and home one in particular uh, I kind of go back and forth as to which one I prefer. Sometimes I like the Mon Calamar, the the Home One, because it's it's more sleek. Um, but sometimes I just like the the General Star Cruiser because it's got the wings, kind of, mm-hmm. and I think that's cool too. So, yeah. um, uh, right now, Home One is higher on the list than the the regular Star Cruiser. But like I said, sometimes they flip flop depending on my mood. Uh, but really great, really great ship, and. Uh, uh, you know, always looking to maybe get some more 
more views of it out there somewhere and some of the other materials. Uh, number three, right? That's where yeah. we're at? Yeah, we're up to number three. Well, uh, my number three is one that you've already mentioned, Carl, and that is the uh, X-Wing, the workhorse, as you put it, <laughs> of the Rebel fleet, the Rebel starfighter that uh, took down the Death Star not once but twice with the help of the Millennium Falcon. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, it's just like the most well-balanced starfighter out there uh, at the time of the uh, – the civil war, the galactic civil war uh, against the empire, because it's fast, it's armored and it's heavily, it's heavily armed and heavily armored. So uh, it's not the fastest ship that the rebels have. It's not the most armored ship. uh, And it's not the most armed ship that the rebels have, but it's the perfect balance of all of them, which makes it one of the most feared ships for the tie fighters to go up against. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and uh, I, I think it's uh, just a great ship. I love the design, and obviously we get to see it a lot in the OT with Luke flying it uh, in the Battle of Yavin, uh, plus, of course, all the adventures he goes on in Empire, getting it stuck in the swamp, and then, of course, going back to Dagobah and landing it perfectly uh, when he returns in Return of the Jedi. Um, but... Uh, it's just so great to to have this ship, and it's just a classic. It really is a classic Star Wars starfighter. Um, obviously, the TIE fighter is as well, but I, I much rather would see the TIE fighter as it's being blown up by a star, by an X-wing. Um, so than anything else. Um, but the the X-wings are great. I my favorite scenes definitely uh, with them are. are Probably both, both of the trench runs, if you will. Mm. The uh, obviously the trench run in uh, A New Hope uh, over over Yavin, and then as Wedge and Lando dive into the the bowels of Death Star Two on their way to blow up the main reactor. Um, those are my two of my my favorite scenes of the X Wing in action. Um, and of course, I wouldn't be. A big of a, as big of a fan of Wedge Antilles if he wasn't flying an X-wing, probably. Um, <laughs> so uh, he's a he's a great pilot, uh, great side character, and I always liked him because he was the you know one of the characters that was just a, a side character, but he survived all three of the the movies, and it was nice to have that. Just nice to have some continuity there, uh, and not just the heroes be the ones survive the whole way. So. Um, Plus, you know, also growing up reading all the X-Wing books, which I need to revisit. Um, that's on my list to revisit sooner or later uh, is the, the X-Wing uh, series of books. Because uh, for those of you who don't know, Carl and I both basically binged the Thrawn trilogy uh, mm-hmm. within the last month. So, uh, which we will talk about sooner rather than later on this podcast. Um, but that has definitely kind of piqued my interest to go back and reread or listen to the X-Wing series um, by Mike Stackpole and Aaron Alston. I think I've got those. Yeah, Mike Stackpole did the the initial run, and then Aaron Alston picked it up with Wraith Squadron and then did some X-Wing books as well later on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, so definitely, definitely high on my list. The X-Wing sits at number three. So love it. Love it. I'm so excited to hear what your your top two are. I mean, I know one of them from <laughs> chatting earlier, but I don't know what your other one is. So I'm excited to get there. Um, but uh, my number three is the executor, the super class star destroyer. Nice that we first see in the Empire Strikes Back. Of course, this is Darth Vader's personal ship. Um, and, you know, the th- I, th- I still think, like, one of the coolest ship scenes in Star Wars is the introduction of the Executor in Empire Strikes mm-hmm. Back. You know, uh, I mean, how do you, right? Like, yeah. how do you outdo the Death Star? How do you, or at least how do you make something that's comparable to that? Uh, you know, you had this space station that was, you know, about the size of a moon. How do you how do you make something as cool as that? Well, how about this? You take all these massive. So the first time we see a star destroyer, right? It's that iconic shot of it coming over your head, and it just takes forever to materialize from over your head. Well, now yeah. we're going to take a bunch of those ships and see something casting a shadow over it, and then boom, we pan out and we just see this massive star destroyer that is just. You know, it, it makes the other Star Destroyers look like gnats next to it. Um, right. I, I think it's one of the coolest introductions of a ship in all of Star Wars uh, is that 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 initial scene with the executor in Empire Strikes Back. Um, I love it for it's almost I mean, it's it's kind of the 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 inverse of home one in a lot of ways. You know, the home one represents this kind of stately, safe, you know, uh, work of art where the executor is just. It is just a symbol of death and destruction. It's this pointy, sharp ship that kind of prowls the galaxy hunting for its prey. That's its sole purpose is to hunt down and destroy rebels. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's massive. Uh, according to Wikipedia, it's about 12 miles long. So it's basically the length of the island of Manhattan in New York City. <laughs> I mean, it's a huge ship. Um and uh, yeah, it's it's just so cool. And, and and it really does represent just kind of the might and the power of the Empire. Um, and, uh, you know, Jason, for years, for years, I thought the name of the ship was the executor um, or excuse me, the executor. I thought that was whenever yeah, I yes. like whenever I read it when I was younger, I was just like the executor. And then when somebody's like, oh, yeah, you know, Vader's superstar destroyer, the executor. I'm like, what? No, no, no. It's the executor. And to this day, like I, I now formally know that the formal name of it is the executor, which I think works. Right. It, it gives it this sense of, you know, it, it's it's. It's the head of it's the boss. It's the boss ship. You know, it's the executive. Mm-hmm. It's the executive. It's in charge of the fleet. Um, so I think it works that way. But I still prefer it being the executor because in a lot of ways, that's its purpose. It was created to execute uh, dissonance to the Empire. Um, it's it's a weapon of war, right? The Mon Cal Star Cruiser really does seem like it was created for. Uh, maybe fishing or commerce or transportation. It was a you tour know. ship. Yeah, it was, a, it was a like a it was a basically a cruise liner. Right, originally what they were, and then they converted it into a into a starship, right, and into a, yep. a, a weapon of war. the The executor was built for the sole purpose of war, for of destruction. So, right. um, you know, 
I, if you are listening right now, I would love to hear, you know, let it, shoot us a comment, shoot us a message. Let us know what you call it, the executor or the executor. Um, I still think executor is a cooler name because it fits the, the, the purpose of this ship far more, but the executor I think also works just as well insofar as that it's, it's the head of the fleet. It's, it's the big boss of the entire Imperial Navy. Oh, and it executes the emperor's will. Mm. It, is the, and- it is the executor of the emperor's will. Um, but no, I, like you, when I was younger, I called it the executor as well. Um, and then, I don't know, somewhere later on, uh, I read it in a book somewhere and I was like, I think I've been saying this wrong my entire life. Uh, so it was, but it was like a decade later. Uh, so I'd been calling it the executor for like a decade or so. And I was like, I am just silly apparently. Um, but I mean, we knew that was true already. We didn't need my mispronunciation of Darth Vader's flagship to, uh, confirm that. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's a great, it's a great uh, ship, and and definitely by far the coolest of all the star destroyers. Um, not even, not even close, in my opinion. Uh, it is funny though that um, I'm going to just say it right now: there are no imperial ships in my top five. Mm. Abs- ab- or nothing. So I'm <laughs> glad we got one. Yeah, I, I'm glad we got one to talk about because. Uh, Otherwise, I would have not brought up any of them at all in my list. I, I am, when it comes to the Rebels versus the Empire, I am so much the good guy that I just love all the Rebel fleet uh, more than any of the Imperial ships by far. Uh, it's not even a competition for me, apparently. So you can narrow down my top two from that, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what is your number two then? Well, my number two um, is the first ship that we ever saw in Star Wars. Uh, that being the Tantive Four Rebel Blockade Runner, uh, the CR-90 Corellian Corvette, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> I call it Super Fast Little Cruiser. Um, no, just kidding. I don't call it that, but uh, <laughs> just, that just came to mind. Um, but no, it, it's it's... And I, it's in one of the most iconic scenes in all of Star Wars as it flees from the Star Destroyer at the beginning of A New Hope. Um, and that is probably my favorite scene of the Rebel Blockade Runner that we've ever got on, on screen because it is, it is so iconic and it is kind of the scene that blew my mind when I first watched Star Wars. There is a heavy nostalgic reason why this ship is so high on my list. Um, I do love it just uh, in general. I loved, you know, seeing it return in Revenge of the Sith when it was Bail Organa's uh, personal ship and having it show up in stuff like Rebels and uh, other places is always great, but it it will forever be a symbol of the rebellion to me. Uh, And the, the idea that it was uh, fast ships like this, that would essentially, dart around the galaxy, you know, getting the name Blockade Runner um, and being sort of the the savior of, you know, either getting certain supplies out or personnel out or in, uh, depending on what, what the mission was. And, you know, the, the idea, it, it didn't come off the line being called a Blockade Runner. Um, it 
got that nickname because it ran a bunch these kinds of ships ran a bunch of blockades. So my brain over the years has sort of filled in stories as to how the rebels ran a bunch of blockades with ships like this. Um, so yeah, the, that's one of the reasons, but it's, it's just, it's a great ship. Uh, and it was, it's just nice to keep seeing them show up in star Wars, uh, especially after the most, uh, one of the most iconic opening scenes in all of, of cinema, uh, featured this as the first ship that we ever got in the Star Wars universe. So it's, that's why it's my yeah. number two. Yeah, it's a great ship uh, for all the things you just said. You know, it, it, I like that it's it's such a – I mean, if you look at it, right, The like a third of the size of the ship is just engines, right? Like yes. It's, it's built for speed. I, I love that it's called the Blockade Runner. I mean, it, it literally looks like that's what it was built to do. You know, it's yeah, – 11 engines. 11 engines. For those of you wondering. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, which which take up a th- over, about a third of the size of the ship. Um and, you know, I mean, it, it literally looks like it was something built to run away, something that was built to, to, to break through blockades. And, you know, I mean, we, we see ships like this in the Clone Wars even. You know, obviously, we're not talking prequels today, but, you know, we see it actually living into that in some of the Clone Wars episodes where they break through blockades to, to drop off supplies. Um, but that's the whole point mm-hmm. of the ship is it's it's meant to hammer its way through something so that it can can get away, uh, you know. So in 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 a lot of ways, like the you know Star Destroyer or the Executor is is kind of you know a symbol of of the Empire. It's it's might and its power. The Blockade Runner is very much that for the Rebellion. It's it symbolizes uh, you know the Rebellion's constant need to be on the run to. To, to move faster than its enemy and to be able to punch its way through uh, the net that the enemy throws out there for you. Um, I love mm-hmm. the blockade runner for that. It's fantastic. Um, but what about you? What's, uh, what's your number two? So my number two is from the OT era, even though it's not really much in any of the original films, but it is the Outrider, which is introduced in Shadows of the Empire. It is a Corellian YT-2400, um, as I said, first seen as Dash Rendar's ship in the infamous novel Shadows of the Empire. And that said, the Shadows of the Empire was published in 1996, and in 1997, when we got the special edition releases of the original trilogy, George put the Outrider in A New Hope. When Luke and Ben yep. and the droids are driving down that main street into Mos Eisley, which is, of course, a, a new scene added for the special editions, you see off to the left-hand side a YT-2400 taking off out of one of the spaceports from Mos Eisley. That is... According to George Lucas himself, the Outrider. Um, so George put that ship in Star Wars. And that said, we've also now seen a YT-2400 in Rebels. Uh, it's in the episode uh, Iron Squadron, which is season three, episode eight. 
um, we see these young kids calling themselves the Iron Squadron running around stealing cargo on a YT-2400. Uh, I love this ship because it's basically just the Millennium Falcon, but faster. <laughs> um, and, and it's funny because the way it's described in the novel is it's almost like this dark chrome plating color. Even though all of the artwork of it and all of the models we've ever seen of the Outrider, it looks to be about the same coloration as the Falcon. But those are all honestly inaccurate. Like if you actually wanted to do... Uh, a, a depiction of the ship according to the novel. It should look a lot sleeker than the Millennium Falcon. Um, I love all the models I have of it. I love all the the toys and the art prints we've gotten of it over the years, but they're all technically inaccurate. They make it look like it's kind of a, a, a hunky-junky ship like the Falcon, but it's not supposed to. It's meant to look like a, like a slick, kind of sexy ship. I mean, think more of like a Naboo cruiser more than the Millennium Falcon. That's what the, the Outrider ought to look like. Um, but that said, you know, I mean, just, I just I loved it when I first read about it in, in that story, because, you know, it's it's like, how do you take something as cool as the Falcon, but make something cooler? And basically the way you do that is just take something that looks like the Falcon, but make it faster, <laughs> um, you know, and and I and I love it for that. Um, and I think uh, the my favorite moment with the Outrider is in the Shadows of the Empire novel. Dash Dash Rendar is leading. Lando's flying the Falcon with Chewie and Leia's aboard as well. And they're flying in this planet, Gaul. They're trying to cut off Boba Fett before he leaves. And Dash is flying really low that he's basically scraping the tops of treetops. And Lando's really having a hard time keeping up. And it's just meant to showcase, like, the Outrider. I mean, a lot of it has to do with Dash. Dash is a great pilot. But it's also, like, it's a much more nimble ship. It's lighter weight. It's easier to fly around and maneuver. Um, so I've always loved that scene as they're they're flying into Gaul trying to cut off Boba Fett. Um, and not going to lie, too, I mean, it was fun, like, the Shadows of the Empire video game for Nintendo 64. You get to play as the Outrider in several missions and fly it around. And I loved the Outrider toy that came with the Shadows of the Empire toy line in 1996. Um, and it came with the... F- the oddest uh, toy ability it had nothing to do with any of its depictions in the novel or the comic or the video game. But with the toy, and if, if, if you're listening right now and you had this toy, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But you could break open the ship and swing it, swing the cockpit around and basically make it look almost like a B-wing. Um, this was like the most random toy feature ever, but I loved the heck out of it. And I loved playing with this toy, having it fly around with the, my Millennium Falcon toy. Um, so there's a lot of nostalgia with the Outrider for sure. Uh, but uh, I just it's it's one of the coolest looking ships I've ever seen in Star Wars. Um, so, yeah, that's that's why it's my number two. That's awesome. And it, that's not a ship I'm super familiar with. I mean, I know what the Outrider is and I know it's Dash Brendar's ship. I played it, uh, you know, doing the asteroid field chase, essentially, in the uh, Shadows of the Empire video game. But that's basically the extent of my experience with this ship uh so i i'm i love that you love this ship so much um i had completely forgotten that this ship was even an option um and so when you brought it up i was like oh of course of course it's on carl's list so i'm super (laughs) glad that we got that we got something out of the box you're the one bringing an out of the box ship to the party today carl congratulations i applaud you for that um (laughs) But it is definitely a Carl pick, and I love it so much. Um, 
discount Han Solo has an upgraded Millennium Falcon, apparently. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it evens out in the end, I suppose. For sure. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but no, it, it, it is great. And I do love the fact that it, you know, they, they did such a lot, uh, with the Shadows of the Empire release with the, the video game and the soundtrack and the, the book, um, that it was such a big thing that, that George decided to add it into a new hope is uh is a nice little nod. Um also uh for those Carl, uh, you know that that rebels print that's sitting on my wall above the calendar mm-hmm. uh with them sitting at, at Moss Eisley and it's got like a whole bunch of little Easter eggs hidden in it. Well one of those is the outrider flying over over the buildings. So I'm looking at it right now. So I just figured I would let you know that. Um, <laughs> Love it. Love but, it. But uh, that's our number two. So we're down to our number one. But before we get there, Carl, uh, we wanted to hit some honorable mentions, right? We sure do. Yeah. All um, right. I'll go ahead and, and uh, throw out my honorable mentions here real quick. Um, I'm going to basically round out a bunch of the Rebel fleet. Sorry. Not sorry. Um <laughs> Uh, the A-Wing is definitely an honorable mention for me. I love the fact that they have, you know, essentially a, a little, tiny little super fast ship. Um, it was always fun to play it in the Rogue Squadron video game when you had to go on, like, hit-and-run missions. So that was really great. Uh, the B-Wing is just a cool, wacky ship. It was like, uh, let's do something like the X-Wing, but weirder. And they gave us the B-Wing, and it... It's. I wish. I only wish it was featured more in the movies than it than it was. Um, obviously, we got that great episode of Hera uh, flying the prototype of it in Rebels, but I, I wish that we would have some more B wing content out there on screen. Um, and then uh, the the number one honorable mention I had was Home One. That was the the one that I said got just bumped off my list. Um, so I, and I talked about that a little bit earlier, so I won't say too much more about it, but yeah, uh, I'm basically rounding out the rebel fleet, um, <laughs> in my, my top five or in my minor honorable mention here. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's what I got. What, what are your honorable mentions, Carl? <laughs> well, uh, so my first one is something you've, we've already talked about, which of course is the blockade runner. Absolutely love this ship for for all the things we said. Um, my other honorable, one of my other honorable mentions is one of the only other. Um, well, I guess I, my two other honorable mentions are, are are Imperial ships, but my first one is the Tie Bomber. I've, I've always loved the Tie Bomber, probably because it you know was introduced in Empire Strikes Back, which is of course my favorite Star Wars. Um, I just love that it's like this dual cockpit type thing. Uh, I love that it is a bomber. Uh, you know, growing up with a dad who was really into World War II ar- aircraft, uh, I knew a lot about World War II bombers as a kid. So just seeing like a, a Star Wars version of a bomber was really cool. And in my little, my young Carl mind, I always thought that the the two pilots meant that they th- that you had to be best friends in order to fly the Tie Bomber. Like it was two best friends. That we had the <laughs> Tie Bomber. That was my uh, that was little Carl's head cannon. Um, but uh, and the last one is the Lombada class shuttle. You know, Shuttle Tiderium. Mm-hmm. I've always loved the the Imperial shuttle. Um, there's just something very stately and graceful about it. Um, and, uh, 
yeah, it, it just that that very first scene in Return of the Jedi when they're uh, flying into the Death Star and. You know, you have these two very nervous pilots because of who their passenger is. <laughs> they just want to yeah. hurry up and land. Um, but yeah, the the Lombada class shuttle is just it, it's always been one of the coolest looking ships in Star Wars to me. Yeah, no, that that's a good one. That is a good one. Uh, oh man, Carl, we're all the way at number one. Uh, yes. Shall I? Shall I go? Um, my number one is. The Y-wing starfighter. Um, I've always been a, a fan that was of. going to be my guess. Of starfighter. Yeah, because it was. I, I, that was well, going to be your guess. Well, I when you revealed blockade runners, your number two. I was like, holy crap! I because my initial thought going into this was that your number one was going to be the X-wing. Um, okay. So, but then as like you mentioned that as your number three, and I'm like. All right, I think it might actually be the Y wing, um, which nice. I love. So sorry, I'll shut up. But yes, your Y wing. No, that's that's good. No, I, I've always loved the Y wing. Um, it, it's you know, as much as the work, the X wing is the workhorse uh, of the the Rebel Starfighter Corps. The Y wing is the tank. It is more tanky than the X wing. It takes more damage. It's a bo- It is the bomber, like you said, Carl. I've I've always enjoyed. Uh, you know, bombers uh, as as sort of a, you know, in both real world and in my space fantasy. Um, So, uh, and I do think it was really cool that we got to see what the original Y-Wing looked like when Mm. we got the Clone Wars stuff. Mm -hmm. And then now we see it because obviously the, the ones that we have in the original trilogy are stripped down. They're very stripped down. They're, you know, they're cobbled together. You know, basically, every Y-Wing starfighter that you see is probably uh, pieces from about five or six different uh, Clone Wars era Y-Wings, is my guess. They, they, they're just putting them together, and they're still working. They're still going. Um, it's it's like the ship that won't... It's like an old Buick. It just doesn't die. So, <laughs> um, they, <laughs> and as someone who used to drive old Buicks... Um, I can I can sympathize uh, with that, uh, but uh, I I do prefer the old or the the OT version of the Y wing, the stripped down version of the Y wing, to the Clone Wars version. I will say that, but I've always enjoyed them, um, and even like you know I played a ton of the Rogue Squadron video game for you know um, as a you know growing up, and I always loved the Y wing missions, the bombing missions, and. Uh, to this day, when I play Battlefront and I do the space missions, um, if I have the option, I will pick the bomber ship, uh, whichever whichever side I'm, I'm on at the time. And obviously, the Y-Wing is my favorite. And I'm quite good with them. So um, <laughs> I will say that. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I've i always enjoyed the Y-Wing. I, I don't have a ton to say about it. You know, and obviously, we, we see them featured... Uh, in the Battle of Yavin, and we see them sporadically throughout the Battle of Endor as well. Um, but I've always enjoyed the Y-Wing. The, the action fleet that I'm holding up as we're talking is one of my most used and, and handled Starship toys that I own. So I have flown this thing for decades um, around the rooms that I've lived in. So, uh, and I think by this point, the pilot and R2 unit that came with it have lived inside that ship 
more than they have outside of it because I just leave them in there at this point. Um, so, <laughs> but yes, uh, the Y Wing is my favorite starfighter and my favorite uh, original trilogy ship, um, and uh, it it's going to be very hard for anything else to ever knock it off that perch. So the X Wing comes close sometimes. Um, catch me on a good day with, and the X Wing will. But uh, I've always enjoyed the Y Wing Starfighter. Um, and yeah, so that's my number one. Ah, gosh, that makes me so happy, Jason. I love that. That is your number one. I, I mean, I love the Y wing as well. And I think one of my favorite features of the Y wing is that it's actually, it's a, it's a two person, uh, aircraft, you know, um, Mm -hmm. spacecraft, I guess, (laughs) um, right. Like you've got the, the main pilot and bomber, and then you have the person who sits behind them who there's, there's an extra quad gun on the back of the Y wing. That's it's very much. I mean, the Y wing is a bomber. Um, and again, that's to connect that once again, which George did intentionally to world war two bombers, right? All world war two bombers had at least most of them had multiple, but at least one sort of submachine gun behind the pilot to, because bombers are slower, right? They're, they're a heavier aircraft. They carry bombs. So you need to have some extra gunners on board to try to keep enemy fighters off your tail. And I love that the Y-Wing kind of really leaned into that in, in a lot of ways um, by being that kind of tankier, slower-moving ship, but that really packs a punch. And as a result, you kind of need that extra pilot to, to keep, keep those uh, TIE fighters off your tail if you can. Um, right. Now, and, of course, the... the- fascinating thing about that is it is designed as a two-person starfighter but in a new hope they only have one pilot uh Mm. to just kind of give the idea of of how uh you know strapped for for manpower the rebels are at that point so you only have single pilots uh in the y-wings in the battle of yavin so that's true even though it is a a two-person starfighter so yeah good point and you can't help but wonder if not only are they strapped for pilots, but also they're really hoping that this is going to be a quick bombing run. They, they're they in there just to drop the bombs and get the heck out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I, Jason, I don't know if you've ever read. It was, it was technically the first ever expanded universe novel published, which was Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Um, which is a story. It was it was written by Alan Dean Foster, who also ghost wrote the original A New Hope novel. Even though George Lucas is given credit, um, it takes place. So it was written as if A New Hope flopped. There was never going to be any more Star Wars movies. The understanding that you know Harrison Ford was probably not going to come back. And it's it's a honestly, Jason. It's I, I read it for the first time a few years back. Me and a group of friends decided to do it as a book book club thing. And uh, I don't think any of us liked it. I mean, it sucks. And like, if you're listening to the episode and you like that book, hey, good for you, man. It, it it's it's absolute garbage in my opinion. Um, but uh, that said, uh, something that's really neat in it is, I mean, it's, it's essentially a Luke and Leia adventure. And I can't remember the name mm-hmm. of the planet. Oh, they go to Mimbin, um, which is kind of neat because that's a planet that they bring back for Solo. Um, but right. they, they're shot down and they crash land and they're flying a Y-Wing together. So Luke's fi- flying and Leia's in the co-pilot in, behind him. So that's a neat way of remembering the Y-Wing. That's the only thing in that book I enjoyed is them flying a Y-Wing together. <laughs> the rest of it is absolute hot trash. So, <laughs> um, I, I, I honestly say I don't think I've ever read that book. 
I, um, I will, I will say I've this. I've never felt motivated yes. to, to do so. I've never been this type of person where I would say to somebody, don't waste your time. But I, in all honesty, don't waste your time. It's absolute garbage. So Alan Dean Foster is a terrible author to begin with, in my opinion. I mean, his Force Awakens novel sucks. <laughs> Sorry if you're a fan of that book, too. But I think it's absolute garbage. Uh, he's not a good writer. Like, he, he, I don't think this man knows really how to write a novel. And... Uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye is full of some of the most sexist stuff ever in Star Wars. I mean, granted, it came out in 1978, so it's a victim of its time period. But man, it is a terrible book. So there are a few things in Star Wars where I would say, if you've never tried this, don't. Splinter of the Mind's Eye is one of the few things where I'd say, if you've never read it, do yourself a favor. Don't read it. <laughs> so, um, I'm tr- so, so would you say Splinter of the Mind's Eye is the... Uh, holiday special of Star Wars books, except without oh. the uh, the camp. <laughs> holiday special is 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 its own degree of terrible, but it's almost so bad, right, that you can have fun with it. Splinter of the Mind's Eye is just terrible. Like I can't even have fun with it. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Anyway, um, so to all of you well, who love Carl. that book, my, you know what? You probably grew up reading it right after A New Hope, and could totally understand why. A fan of Star Wars in 1978 loved that book. But, man, if you read it in modern times, <laughs> it's just not good. <laughs> um, but, yes. Anyway, Jason, I am going to give you one guess for my favorite ship in the original trilogy. Uh, the one guess is it's it's Darth Vader's TIE Advanced X-1 Starfighter. You know it. Yep. You know, exactly. <laughs> it is. It's just so good. I mean. It gets knocked off course by some jerk in a piece of junk freighter. Um, you know, you know, <laughs> justice for the tie advanced. <laughs> that's that's what we'll start. Um, no, right, of, right. Of course, it is the Millennium Falcon. This is my favorite yes. starship um, in the history of. And, and of, for those of, of you wondering, I was I was being a star, a sarcastic in my guess. So <laughs> I, in I, case I'm, you didn't catch that, yes, and <laughs> if you somehow didn't pick up on that, um, yeah, the, the, I mean. There, I mean, I could do. We could do. We could do an entire episode, Jason, just on the Millennium Falcon. So I'll try to keep my points succinct here. But a lot of it just goes <laughs> comes down to the fact that the Millennium Falcon is to me, it is that sense of a treehouse in space. And what I mean by that, right? Like I don't, I don't know if you, Jason, ever had a treehouse. I actually technically never did either. <laughs> um, but my cousins no. did. And a treehouse to me is like a young person. It, it's it's this kind of. It's this place where you can escape into and you can have adventures. Your imagination can come to life and the rest of the world kind of falls away. To me, that's what the Millennium Falcon represents. I think that's in a lot of ways, that's really what it represents to Han. You know, it's this place that he can escape into and just dream up adventures and he can just embark on those adventures. Uh, That's really what the Millennium Falcon means to me, first and foremost. And as a kid... Was I as I grew up falling in love with Star Wars, uh, the Millennium Falcon got to be two things in my young life. So uh, the cousins I grew up who got me into Star Wars, they had bunk beds and the top bunk was reserved for that was the Millennium Falcon cockpit. Like when we were playing Star Wars as kids, when I would climb up into my cousin's top bunk, I was like, all right, I'm in the cockpit of the Falcon now. Um, But like on a nice summer day when we were playing Star Wars outside, 
he actually my cousin actually had a treehouse. So we would climb up the ladder into the treehouse and it had two windows looking out over his backyard. I would always sit in the left window. I made him sit on the right because he was the I you know, I was never gonna be the co pilot. I always had to be the pilot. <laughs> um but that, that treehouse of his was also the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. Um because it was exactly what what that ship means to me, right? Is it's this it's this place for you to uh to escape into a world of imagination. Um, and thinking about the the Falcon itself in the story of Star Wars, I mean, it's it's a space where characters have intimate encounters with each other. It's it's a place where characters can finally stop and breathe and relax. Um, you know, it, it, that's that's really what it becomes in Empire Strikes Back. You know, it's it's this safe haven for Han and Leia. It's where their romance is ultimately kindled, is on board this ship. Uh, it's where Han feels most safe, more the place where he can most be himself. And it's a place where even Leia learns to let her guard down. So the Falcon kind of becomes this place of intimacy um, across the saga. And that's and that's going to even be true in the sequel trilogy. Um, mm-hmm. So I really, really love that aspect of the Falcon. Um, and, you know, as most of us know, George Lucas has always been a huge fan of of race cars and, and going fast. The Falcon is exactly that. It is a hot rod in space. And it's a bucket of bolts. Like it's held together by Han's love for the ship itself and his desire to go fast. He doesn't care what it looks like as long as it gets him where he wants to go and it gets him there fast. Um, and I, that always made sense to me because like I grew up in a, a pretty like rural town in upstate New York where, um, there was just, there were a lot of people that were quote car collectors. It was basically just a bunch of junky cars in people's front yards. But you know, our neighbors were always working on these pieces of junk. You know, it, even though those cars almost never ran in my memory, there was just such a fascination with putting these cars together, building engines, and trying to make these really cool hot rods. And I, like when I got into Star Wars, like that's how I kind of understood the Falcon is. Um, Han was everything that those neighbors couldn't be because he actually could get the thing to run. Um, but, uh, you know, but that, like that desire to have to have something that was yours and to soup it up into something even cooler. Right. Like that's what the Falcon kind of gets to represent. Um, you know, uh, so it's it is it is my home among the stars. And and while I know we're talking about the OT, I, I'm, I'm just going to creep it in here because obviously we're not going to talk about this when we're talking Disney era ships. Because uh, the Falcon is ultimately an OT era ship, but that scene right. of Han first seeing the Falcon, like, is just so perfect. As he looks up at the Falcon, mm-hmm. and, and we get that statement of the Rebel theme, you know, that ship represents to Han what it represents to what has come to represent to me, and I think a lot of a lot of folks in the Star Wars fan community, which is the Falcon, is that 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 place of imagination of being at home among the stars. Like, that's why the Falcon will forever be my number one spaceship and not just star Wars, but in the history of anything cool in space, uh, the millennium Falcon will always reign supreme for me. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm sure you are not alone in that sentiment. And, uh, there isn't a ship that's more worthy of that. Uh, probably, um, I, as I said, when I mentioned it, uh, as my number five, it's the most featured ship in all of star Wars, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's no ifs ands or buts about it. it has the most screen time of any ship uh that we ha- have ever seen in star wars you, you know so uh 
it is it is a delightful old bucket of bolts that uh, is as much a character in and of itself as any of the people that fly it. So <laughs> yeah, um, yep. And uh, that's that's one reason among many that just makes it special. So um, this is one I I did not doubt would be your number one. <laughs> um, but the like I said, that there's nothing wrong with that, and it, it definitely deserves its place there. So, yeah, when we were, we were chatting a little bit earlier this afternoon, and I sent you a message, I go, "Spoiler alert: the Falcon's on my list." <laughs> <laughs> yes, you weren't in any uh, way surprised. I was. I was shocked. I'm shooketh. <laughs> uh, so I, I think my response was, "I'm shocked." Yeah. Yes. Uh, so it was, it was great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a great ship and I did get to fly it, uh, when I went to, um, galaxy's edge, I I got to be in the, the engineer's seat. So, which was fine. Uh, Kyle and, and, um, Tim got to be pilot and co-pilot. So, uh, I got to be the engineer when we went uh, back in January. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I got a, I got great share. You know, it's, that's the one thing I, I was with a group of friends this weekend. We went away to a cabin and my buddy, Greg was mentioning, he's like, man, like I would love to just see you see the Falcon at galaxy's edge for the first time. <laughs> I was like, that's really sweet yeah. of you to say. And I would also love to see that <laughs> as well. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I definitely plan to get there. In, in, hopefully within the next year or so. Um, and uh, I, I don't care what it'll take. I'll, I'll happily remove children from the pilot seat to take it uh, and their, and their <laughs> parents. I don't care. Um, I work out for a reason, Jason. It's just to fly the Falcon. Um, <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> These guns were made for flying the Falcon. Yeah, that's um, it. I'll, <laughs> I'll wait in line all damn day if I have to, just to get that pilot seat. I don't care. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really want to really want to get that. And, um, the closest I've ever had was, I think it was in like 2017 or 2018 at Boston comic con. There was a local fan group that built their own millennium Falcon cockpit and folks were invited to sit inside of it for photos. And it wasn't a hundred percent screen accurate, but it was pretty darn close. Um, and that was, that was amazing too. Uh, and of course I sat in it with my buddy, Greg, Greg was kind enough to take the co-pilot seat, which actually works out well. Yeah. Cause Greg is a lot taller than me. So he's, he is a perfect yep. Chewbacca. <laughs> um, yep. Yep. It, it is. It, it was, I think I remember seeing this picture, but it was definitely a Han and Chewie looking moment for sure. Yeah. Uh, with Carl <laughs> and Greg. <laughs> oh man. But, um, you know, as always, you know, folks, uh, you know, super, super happy to have, to have you listening, first and foremost, thank you as always for continuing mm-hmm. to tune into the show. But you know, we yes. we love to hear what your favorite ships are as well. So, um, you know, what are some of your favorite ships from the original trilogy era? Uh, whether or not we we mention them on the episode or not, and and it's honestly, like you said, kind of last week, Jason, especially if we didn't mention them, I always love to hear some of other people's favorite things that didn't make our own list because that, that's always one of my favorite things in the Star Wars fan community is there's such a diversity and love of interest uh, across the spectrum. So please let us know right. what some of your favorite ships are. Yeah, especially, you know, I, especially if you'd like a lot of the, you know, the Imperial stuff, because obviously uh, they did not feature heavily 
in our list mm-hmm. at all. So, um, and I know there's some some diehard uh, Imperial fans out there in terms of all the ships and stuff. So, definitely let us know which Tie Fighter is your favorite. Um, but Carl, if people want to weigh in on our picks or share uh, any of theirs, where can they do that? Yeah, well, we are on Instagram at the Wampas Lair. You can also follow us on Twitter at Wampas Lair. Or you can always email us at wampuslerpodcast at gmail.com. Excellent. Anything else before we, uh, you know, jump to hyperspace? Punch it. All right. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening to this episode of the Wampuslayer Podcast. This has been episode number 521, Top 5 OT Ships. For Carl, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampas Lair. Wampuslayer.